On March 23rd of 2004, Adriana Wicks could feel tension, anxiety, and fear in the outbuilding they occupied after a heated argument ended that evening between her mother and her live-in boyfriend. Adriana was used to the domestic disputes that often occurred between the two, but something wasn't right this time. It felt as if things had gone too far. She saw a shiny object being waved around, and the argument settled into desperate fits of tears from her mother. The boyfriend walked out the door and left for a moment, and her mother picked up the telephone and called her family for help and advice. Adriana knew her mother was going to keep her safe. The next day, Adriana was awoken by more arguments between the two. This time, it was even more violent and aggressive. Her mother, who had already packed their meager belongings, told Adriana that they were leaving. Adriana, only two years old, knew something wasn't right. The next day, police were called because both Adriana and her mother, Jennifer Wicks, were not heard from ever again. This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World Season 2, Episode 17, The Disappearance and Murder of Adriana and Jennifer Wicks. Jennifer Wicks, age 22, moved in with her boyfriend, Joey Benton, into an outbuilding on his parents' land. The situation was not ideal, but it provided the mother and the daughter a roof over their head. The relationship between the couple, dating for over a year, had been rocky and described as a love-hate type of relationship. There were allegations of mental and physical abuse, including Joey pulling a pistol on the girls, threatening to kill them both, but Jennifer would remain at the Benton home and outbuilding. She was unemployed and had a two-year-old daughter, Adriana, to take care of. The Benton family welcomed Jennifer and her daughter, but there was a lot of tension between all members of the family. Several allegations would surface later, including those of pedophilia and murder. Joey Benton was no stranger to trouble, having been charged several times with several crimes in his community. He was also no stranger to drinking and doing drugs. Like many small rural communities across America, Cross Plains, Tennessee was no stranger to the scourge of meth and crack cocaine. But Jennifer and Joey remained in a strange kind of love-hate relationship until March 24th, 2004, when Jennifer and Joey decided enough was enough. Jennifer had already voiced her concerns about Joey and their relationship to family members, and on the 24th, she called her mother asking for help and advice. Jennifer decided that she could handle the situation, like she had done so many times before. According to Joey Benton, Jennifer asked him to drive her to a grocery store in Cross Plains to use a payphone. Joey then stated that she asked him to drive her to a local Exxon gas station, where he said both Jennifer and Adriana got out of his vehicle and then asked Joey to leave. According to Joey, he did not want to just leave them there, so he drove off but parked across the street and later said he saw them enter into a four-door white Mustang or Camaro. To those car aficionados, you will note that there is no such thing as a four-door Mustang or Camaro in existence. But that's not the only peculiar thing about this story, and Joey would change 
the how and the when and the circumstances around Jennifer and Adriana's disappearance to police. According to his first report, this was the last he had seen of both Jennifer and Adriana. Then, in another interview recorded by police, he stated that he did in fact see Jennifer again the next day when she drove up to the Benton property in the white vehicle he saw her get into at the Exxon station. Not having a bank account, she could not deposit or withdraw money owed to her from the previous year's income tax. The Bentons indicated they would cash the check and provide Jennifer cash. However, when Jennifer asked for the money, Joey indicated his parents were not home and she would have to come back later. He indicates he never saw her again. Jennifer's family frantically tried to locate the missing pair. Police were investigating the case as a disappearance. The investigation always led them back to Joey Benton, who would sometimes identify himself as William Benton and also Bud Benton. During several police interviews, Joey would change facts about the circumstances of his encounters with Jennifer. Both locations at which Joey indicates he dropped off Jennifer have security cameras in place. It is not known at this time if the police have reviewed this footage or have them in custody, but they indicated that there is not one piece of information that collaborates Joey's stories. Police, along with family and community volunteers, searched for the pair along roadways, back alleys, in forested areas and wooded lots. They would all come up empty. Jennifer and her daughter disappeared into thin air. Two years had passed, and no one had seen or spoken to the pair ever since March of 2004. However, every lead, every piece of evidence, always brought police back to Joey Benton and the possibility of foul play. Police decided to ask the Benton family if they could look further around their property and the Bentons obliged. It is noted, however, that the police did not have a warrant, and during warrantless searches, the police must act accordingly, only searching areas the Bentons agreed upon. Rumors would spread that the bodies of both Jennifer and Adriana were located on the property, buried deep in cement under a recent development on the Benton property. The Benton property is several acres, however, surrounding it is hundreds of acres, and this wood was never fully searched. A pond on the property was, however, drained with no sign of the two missing girls. In another search, police brought cadaver dogs to the property, but they found no trace of decomposing bodies. It is also noted that there are several family burials on the Benton property from years past, and also that the Bentons enjoy hunting and carcasses from the animals would be on the property. The dogs did not hit on any particular site the police were once again hitting a dead end. Their initial gut feelings about the case were not producing results. Rumors then began to swirl in the community. Joey was a suspect in the disappearance of Jennifer and Adriana. There were allegations of physical and mental abuse. There was also allegations that Joey's father, known as Big Joe Benton, was abusing little Adriana, and this was the catalyst to the disappearance of the girls. It is speculated that two-year-old Adriana had visited a doctor only weeks previous where she was diagnosed with some sort of STD. And fact and rumor break down quickly in a small town filled with gossip. 
It even spread online where individuals feuded with one another over the case. And even more disturbing was Big Joe Benton himself would appear online as several different identities to persuade the public that Joey Benton had nothing to do with Jennifer's disappearance. But he also did it in a crude and cruel way. He demeaned Jennifer, calling her a whore, a drug addict, a useless mother. Then he went after Jennifer's mother, Kathy, calling her much the same. In the background noise, however, of this online pissing match, police were still determined to find out what had happened. The case was still opened, and in the fall of 2013, they caught a break. They had evidence. Solid evidence. It is not known at this time what physical evidence they have, or if they have a witness who came forward, but on December 2013, police officially reclassified the case from missing persons to a murder investigation. And it is clear they were focusing in on the killer. Thank you all for being here today. Uh, we'd like to make an announcement that after careful review by the district attorney's office, the sheriff's office, the TBI, and other investigative officers, we're here to declare the reclassification of the Wicks, uh, Adriana, uh, being uh, uh, from missing persons to uh, a homicide. Uh, nobody uh, has been eliminated from the, as a suspect in this case. Uh, we've developed some new information in the last several weeks that uh, brings us to the, to the conclusion that uh, uh, there was foul play involved and uh, we are pursuing that uh, as we speak in a renewed effort between uh, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation and the Robbins County Sheriff's Office, all the investigators. And uh, I have uh, the mother here, Kathy, and she'd like to say we'd like to make a plea to, uh, we're convinced that there are somebody, there are people out there that know what happened. Uh, they may be reluctant to come forward. We've established a uh, special hotline number uh, that's going up immediately following this press conference. 615-478-5763 and that hotline is going to be uh, available immediately and we hope and pray that uh, whoever sees this will come forward and uh, those that have information will uh, be willing to provide it uh, confidentially. They can also do it through uh, email, through tips, uh, through our website. So, Kathy, would you like to say something? Thank you, it's been almost 10 years. Um, I just want to um, say thank you, first of all, to uh, the Sheriff's Department for never giving up on Jennifer and Adriana's case and working diligently still to uh, bring it to a close and help our family with closure. Um, further than that, I'd like to ask the public, we need your help. Um, as Sheriff Holt said, there's someone out there who does know exactly what happened to Jennifer and Adriana, and I am pleading and begging as a mom and a grandmom for whoever that person is to please search your conscience and do the right thing. Call tip line. Get in touch with the Sheriff's Department. 
There's a reward offered if that helps. But most of all, I'm just hoping that someone's conscious will enable them to finally come forward and let us know what exactly happened to Jennifer and Adriana in 2004. Who's responsible and help us bring justice. Most of all, help me find my girls and lay them to rest with respect and dignity. Thank you all for coming. Reporters visited the Benton home where Joey answered and said that Jennifer would never come back here. It was a peculiar statement to make. Jennifer, according to her mother, loved Joey very much, and their relationship would often be off and on again. If Jennifer was indeed missing and had run away, and if she decided to return, she most likely would have come back to Joey. But not if you are deceased. What does Joey know? And how does he know she is deceased? Many persons have come forward anonymously to say that Joey, under the influence of alcohol and drugs, told them that he killed both Jennifer and Adriana. During one event supporting the case, bikers from around the state gathered to form a chain of hope in support of the family. As the bikers rode past and near a billboard publicizing the case, one witness said he saw Joey driving his truck, leaning out and screaming, You'll never find that bitch. Did Joey Benton murder the girls in a drug-induced state? It's possible he killed both, not fully understanding his actions. If this is the case, he should come forward now before police charge him with a more serious crime that in the state of Tennessee could lead to the death penalty with use of the electric chair. I don't think they ever had another suspect other than Joey, says Joey Benton's grandmother, Carol Benton. I'm sorry she went missing, don't get me wrong. We loved that little girl. She would come up to the house and eat supper with us. So when they asked us, we let them search. We never refused. But she's not on our property. We don't know nothing about it. Investigators again reached out to the Bentons for a search of the property, again without a warrant. This time, however, the Bentons refused. Police admitted that at the very start of the case, even though it was classified as a missing persons case, they were treating it as a homicide investigation, and that no one has been ruled out, and that they were merely following the evidence wherever it may lead. The Robertson County Sheriff's Office is absolutely committed to not letting Jennifer and Adriana's wicks be forgotten, Sheriff Bill Holt said. I strongly believe there are persons in this community who know what happened to Jennifer and Adriana, but who have not been reluctant to come forward for one reason or another. Indeed, there are people that know much more of what happened. They have knowledge that could end this. This is a direct message for TC and JW. This will not go away. It cannot be buried. As you grow older with families of your own, you are holding information in your heart that will not go away. The police have evidence. They are, indeed, not giving up. The problem for you is, when this case is opened wide, there you will be, in front of your community, your wives, 
your own sons and daughters. How will you explain to them you knew, but you did not act? You did not come forward. Think about how awful it would be to come out that you knew, but did not tell, that you kept such a dark secret. It is time to come forward, to tell authorities what you know now. I urge you both, TC and JW, for you know who you are, to call 615-478-5763. It would be a great relief to the families, to the community, and to yourself. Do the right thing. A grandmother is begging for a break in a cold case. Jennifer and Adriana Wicks have been missing for nearly 14 years. As News Channel 5's Alexander Cohen explains, today would have been Adriana's 16th birthday. Kathy Nail has been searching for over a decade for her daughter and granddaughter. My mother's gut has always felt that she was no longer with us, but my granddaughter, I've never felt that way. Jennifer and Adriana Wicks vanished in 2004. Adriana was two years old. Today, she'd be 16. All I'm asking them is to take a look at their child and then take a look at Adriana and see if they can find it in their heart to come forward and, and, and let us know what happened. They were last seen in Robertson County. In 2013, the sheriff and TBI reclassified their missing persons case as homicides. But Adriana, I mean, look at her. She's beautiful. She's a sweet little innocent baby. So I have to think that whatever happened to Jennifer and whoever harmed Jennifer, I just have to believe in my heart that they couldn't harm Adriana. Their bodies were never found. Someone has her. Someone took her. I just need that person to know that she's not yours. She's mine. According to this police report, Wicks was last seen here. Nearly 14 years ago, Channel 5 interviewed Jennifer's live-in boyfriend, Joey Benton, on Owens Chapel Road. Benton told deputies that Jennifer left him at an Exxon gas station and then visited him the next day without Adriana. He said she came back the next day to his house. See, she had an income tax return and, and that was there the day she left and she didn't take it. But that was the last time she was seen. Kathy has hired a private investigator to sort through this cold case. Today, on her granddaughter's 16th birthday, she holds on to hope that she will find answers soon. That the person that holds the key could step forward and, and, and put my children to rest, put my family to rest, put the case to rest. Alexandra Cohen, News Channel 5. If you have any information on what may have happened to Jennifer and Adriana Wicks, you can call the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation at 1-800-TBI-FIND. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you visit a podcast we highly recommend, The Missing Minority Podcast. You can find them on all your favorite podcast directories. Each episode delves into a missing person's case with heart and the goal of one day finding answers. That is the Missing Minority Podcast. Thank you for listening to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your other favorite podcast directory, and subscribe, rate, and review. We would really appreciate your support. 
If you haven't already, join us on Facebook to enhance this episode with photos, illustrations, and lively discussion. Look for our suggested links and do share this podcast with others. Perhaps you or someone you know will have a solution to this mystery. This podcast is created by Cold Rasta Studios and includes music and sound effects by John Savoy, Albert Ray, Gerardo Garcia Jr., Rana Szilard, Madia Cupelli, Alex Lisi, Martin Kahlberg, and Adrian von Ziegler. <laughs>